It is 18 hours, 32 minutes, East African time. Time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. This being Wednesday, the 22nd of June, 2022. Hamjambo Nakaribuni, hello and welcome. Our general elections are now 41 days away and we continue to put matters of the moment into their constitutional context. The sage advice is never to discuss sex, religion or politics in polite society. Well, it's very likely that all three are going to come up in this edition. And that's because we're about to talk about this particular clause in Article 43 of our Constitution 2010 under economic and social rights. Every person has the right to the highest attainable standard of health, which includes the right to health care services, including reproductive health care. Our guest today, a mystery at first, although she has a master's degree in social anthropology, has spent all of her professional life in the health sector. Dada, I'm going to give you first comment on these sample answers to the question, what role should the state play in ensuring the good health of adults and children here in Kenya? Jay, ni majukumu gani serikali nafaa kuchukua kuhakikisha kwamba kila mwananchi anapata huduma ya matibabu bora? When I was growing up, we didn't really go to hospital as much. Like my mom used to like home cheaters, like home remedies. The universal cover, that one is the best so far because it's free. Now that the government is as well building many hospitals. Well, is it at our Naza and Zia? So, Gaba, inafa yongeze madawa kwa usi. I think uh, enough staff members go hospital and then uh, nurses should be paid. I think that one will be better. As a woman, I feel like the government is really, really lacking, especially if stories are contraception, stories are maternity. I think in general, just the entire medical system is really letting women down. Having every public hospital have like um, at least once a month gyna checkup. I think a lot of women will appreciate if they could at least like go for a checkup to just know what's going on with their female organs and all that. The government should take seriously the health of the girl child, especially during menstruation, and make sure that they provide sanitary towels for the girls in school. Not every time I'm thinking Nenda Hosi, I have to lose an arm and a leg, so what to it's it's hard out here with women, please. Well, I've added to my vocabulary with the words Gava and Hosi, <laughs> but uh, Dada, what do you think? John, I think the people are right. Um, the government should provide those things that people are talking about. When you go to a hospital, you should be able to get medicine there. You should be able to access services that you need, and they should be affordable. 
Uh, so when you hear people speaking, they're actually talking about cost being an issue. They're talking about the lack of medicine in some of those health facilities. You've had the women also talk about the lack of reproductive health services, including contraceptives, family planning. So the people are actually really, really right, and they understand very clearly the role that government plays that, or the government should play in ensuring that that Article 43 of the Constitution is actually really adhered to. Well, for one thing, mm-hmm. what does universal health care or UHC in your jargon mm-hmm. mean and how can it be achieved? Okay, let's take it from the, the person who talked about this, one of those uh, people who mentioned uh, the fact that they are happy that now you have universal health coverage. Universal, it, it comes from the word universal, just meaning that every Kenyan, every citizen is able to have access to the quality and the standard of care that is of um, a good quality, that is affordable, that is accessible both physically um, and um and, and cost-wise. I'm going to take you up on the word good quality. Yes. What is bad quality? Let's go from the other end. <laughs> okay. So is that, is that, isn't that a sort of a contradiction in terms? I'm going to give you some bad health care. Yes. Okay. There is bad health care, John, in some places in this country. When, when you go to a health facility and you find that it does not have what the service that you need, or that that service is provided by someone who does not have the qualifications to provide it. Um, and, and that it's also provided in a context that is not good, a dirty and an hygienic context um, provided by a person who does not have the qualifications to provide that care. And then the actual services that you need are not there. That speaks to quality right there. Dada, could I have a qualification on this idea of cost? Now, if I wanted to buy some petrol for my car, Mm -hmm. there would be some kind of indication currently that it's going up every day. But I know exactly how much to pay for a litre of petrol. Are you suggesting that there are energies and train to make sure that every Kenyan who walks into a clinic, a dispensary or a hospital is paying the same price? You know, that's the ideal situation, John that what we are looking at as a country right now is that if we have universal health coverage, then we have, we have some standards because the, we have different levels of care. We have the, the first level of care, which is the community. We have the dispensary. We have the health center. That we have, set, that we have expectations that as a Kenyan, if I walk to, into a health facility, this is the kind of service I can expect to get of this quality. This is the kind of costs that I can expect to meet. Dada, can I, can I take you up on one thing? Yes. Where as, as somebody in my situation, maybe I'm alone in this, I'm forever getting pleas from the so-called village. Yes. Uh, to the extent that a relation is ill, mm-hmm. they've moved from one part of the country and they should really make their way into Nairobi. Yeah. The ideal is to end up at Kenyatta. Yeah. Could I raise some money? So mm-hmm. that's when the illness is going through. And then there is a, a lengthy period of, of, of illness. Uh, bills uh, accrue to... A huge, uh, and then we get to the idea of the WhatsApp group, 
and all of a sudden so and so has passed away <laughs> yes. and uh, wouldn't it be nice for us to raise 1.5 million shillings now in that whole trajectory I'm not of the impression that the, my government might the state is looking after my mm-hmm. people if not me in particular yeah there, there are several things there John one of course there's the issue of cost but the second thing is the issue of their levels of care but if these lower levels of care are not able to provide the services that people need you see people jumping from the lowest level of care to the referral so you'll have somebody traveling from Kakamega let's say to come to Kenyatta Hospital because the the care that they need the specialized care they need may not be there actually Kakamega is not a good example but anyway coming from a county any county in Kenya to go to Kenyatta because the specialized care they need at the, at at the county level isn't available now that needs to be addressed uh, again uh, as you continue mm-hmm. dada mm-hmm. there's this whole idea again in the perception that when somebody is ill mm-hmm. there are certain hospitals yeah. that will guarantee that things will go well yeah. now i'm not about to be in the business of <laughs> naming so that everybody dashes to these hospitals yeah but the, the 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 hospital in between that trip from Kakamega to Nairobi is not quite it mm-hmm. until we make it to Kisumu or yeah. we make it to Nairobi mm-hmm. now we're going back to the let's not lose track of our thinking yeah. we're going back to the constitutional guarantees yes we had a new constitution in 2010 mm-hmm. would you explain to me mm-hmm. for one mm-hmm. and to our listeners for another mm-hmm. the journey that we've made Mm-hmm. so that we can truthfully say that things are getting better. Okay. Be- before we do that, it's important to say that um when you look at um the things that bring people to this facilities whose na- this some of these big facilities whose names we'll not mention. There's the issue of trust. You know there was a time in this country when our public health facilities really really were down and people lost trust. So there's this perception that you'd probably get better care in a private health facility irrespective of how you define that private. But going back to the question on the constitution. Since we uh we had the new constitution, not new. It is since this constitution came into effect in 2010, a lot has happened within the health sector. Um and they've been uh, there've been efforts from the government side to improve uh the provision of 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 services to to its people it's not we are not where we 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 should be yet first um we should be putting in more money than we currently do if you look at how much we actually put aside for per capita investment in health it's not enough So the government is is has made some some progress. We've put we have right policies in place. We we are improving our health facilities and I'm not doing this as an apologist for 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 the government. But having been in this sector for a, for a while now, I can actually say that these there are improvements happening at all levels uh of the healthcare system, but a lot more still needs to be done. A lot lot more still needs to be done. Well we're going to go in for our first break mm. it's all going very quickly dada mm. but uh, as it, as we go into that break I'm still going to press you on <laughs> this idea of some improvements is all, I I I remain cynical so perhaps when we come back yeah, we we'll talk you, about it yes yeah thank you
Asante Dada. So I wish to remind you that um, we are going to go to the word substantiate these improvements. <laughs> okay. Um, John, one of the, the areas where we've, we see improvements is as a country, we are putting more money into the health sector. It's not enough. We are still not where we need to be. But over the last, say, decade, our investment in that sector has improved, which means, and then the other thing is our standards of care have also improved. I keep saying we are not yet where we need to be, but we have to acknowledge that we are making progress. The other thing is the range of services available to us, even at the lower levels of care, even at the county level, when you go to a dispensary, a health center, even that range of services has improved. I know there are places we still have issues of shortages of medicine and sometimes when you go into the health facility you do not get what you want. But we have we are doing much better now than we did a decade ago. Well there could always be this idea of you know perpetual longing for a state of perfection but yeah. I also hear about uh, nurses going on strike every yeah. other day. Mm -hmm. I also hear that uh, that the dream Mm -hmm. the the aspiration of a young medical doctor is to go into private practice mm -hmm. so when you're in private practice this is the point where you could perhaps charge 5000 6000 shillings for a 15 minute uh, no yes. 5 minute maybe consultation yeah so i'm trying to suggest by those meandering thoughts mm -hmm. there aren't enough doctors and there aren't enough nurses yeah and every once in a while, we import doctors, these mm -hmm. wonderful doctors. Yeah. I think they come from Cuba. We can name Cuba even yes. if we're discussing ideas. Yes. Why should this be necessary? Yeah. One, one thing we have to acknowledge is that we do not have enough healthcare personnel. And human resources for health is a big issue for this country like it is for other countries similar to ours. Um, and that's one area that we have to say if this Article 43 of the Constitution has to be implemented and the right to health of Kenyans has to be respected, that's one area where the government has to really put in more effort. We need to make sure that there are adequate personnel. One of those um, citizens who spoke earlier clearly pointed out that that is an issue. We need to have enough personnel, enough healthcare workers, so um, sorry, sorry, sorry. So how are we going to end up with uh, a million doctors with more than we can ever have need of? Hmm. Doctors or Dr. Wengi, what are Tokoapi? Yeah, but is, we, is there a government policy which is yeah. churning out a thousand doctors a week, a year? Are there statistics? Uh, sorry, sorry to if there are, do tell me. Yeah, but John, we have training facilities in this country that train <coughs> nurses and train doctors. But we don't always employ all the doctors and, uh, and the nurses that we train. And I would make a suggestion that the next um, show, we bring on one of those people to talk about this issue of human resources for health. As a country, we are training nurses, we are training doctors, but we are not employing everybody that we are training. That's an issue. Okay. Uh, maybe there isn't enough to cover every single conceivable topic, but I would like to go off at a tangent a bit. Yeah. And again, uh, the Constitution says our culture. Yeah. We're embedded in our own culture. But it seems to me that, mm -hmm. that uh, as one of our former presidents said, that we are 
ever preoccupied with aping, I won't do a skin color, but other people's ways. Uh So whatever is happening elsewhere, Uh uh, we're moving towards being an annex of, say, the United States of America. So whatever issues are going to be raised there, Mm -hmm. they will ultimately come to us. So many years from now, we will be having a philosophical debate as to whether to have Roe versus Wade. It's just our time, but we are. So can you comment on this business of, you know, African solutions, Kenyan solutions for Kenyan Kenyan problems? problems? Yeah. What are our priorities and how should we go about them? Or is that an unfair question? No, it is a fair question, John. One of the things that we need to think about is when we think about culture, culture is dynamic. It changes. And when we talk about African culture, what culture are we talking about really? Is it what we have now or what we had in the past? So I'd like to say this. Kenya is part of a global community. So we cannot actually escape the influences of what's happening in the rest of the world. When it comes to healthcare, for instance, it's not so much a matter of aping what's happening in the other parts of the world, but there are general global standards. If you're treating a human being, whether that human being is Kenyan or American, that standard of care is global. It's the same. We may not always meet it here, but there are also other issues. We have to say, uh, like you mentioned, the issue of Roe versus Wade. This is the huge debate on, on abortion rights. Um, I do agree that there are also a lot of influences because of this global village that we live in um, that creep into into our culture or into, I don't want to use the word culture, but into our society and influence our practices, our beliefs, our values. So that cannot be avoided, John. I don't know if this answers your question. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to go round and round and avoid it, but... Um, does it answer the question? It, it does in a way, but mm. I, I, I will also put it to you that we are perceived to be a young continent yes. and a young country. Yes. So therefore, our focus, <laughs> if I'm thinking clearly, should yeah. be on the young. Yes, I agree. Well, every program every that we've had, we've given the statistic that so many, 75% of us are... Uh, right. So, okay, where are the solutions? What are we doing for the young? Uh, and here I'm mm-hmm. going to the, the baiting here is mm-hmm. uh, uh, is the corollary that we are educating the young in schools. Mm-hmm. Is it a Kenyan cultural practice to give sex education in schools? Mm-hmm. Uh, so key words like um, uh, what is it? Something comprehensive is, sexuality. Yeah, education. comprehensive. Yeah, comment on this idea of comprehensive sexuality. Okay, let me say this, John. I do agree that our young people are getting a raw deal. And for a segment of the population that is so big, I do not think personally, my personal opinion is that we are not giving enough attention to these young people. On the issue of comprehensive sexuality education, this is, this is my take on this issue. You have a lot of young people growing up, you know, without understanding the changes that are happening to their bodies. And nobody's talking to them about anything. Parents aren't talking to their children. This responsibility is being left to, to, to somebody else. So I personally well, believe... Well, who, who's somebody else? They can't, they can't do it in schools. They can't do it in, in schools. schools. So that is the uh, thing. So and, and the church is probably, and any religion is saying, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, so, so, okay, so those are the guidelines that we have. Don't do it. Don't do it. So you have young people growing up yeah. without the guidance the information that would enable them make a smooth transition to adulthood. 
Sorry, Dad, I'm going, I'm going to go back and say, was there a time ever yes. in our culture where... When we did that, yes. Okay, uh, recall that. and then, uh, let me, let, You know, in traditional African society, there were systems, there were structures. You had your grandmothers, you had your aunties who talked to you about these things, so to speak, about sex, about growing up. And, and what not to and do. And you had initiation rights. And you had say you're going. rights of passage. You mm. had all these things. Mm. But now, because the world has changed, this, these systems have broken down. And there's a gap there. And you know something that I have, I have just in our conversation, <laughs> I have mates who sort of their child reaches a certain age. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, gosh, you're having problems with your chair. We have to get a new chair. But... Um, uh, <laughs> I have mates who sort of, uh, their child is a certain age and they take them to sort of some retreat camp. Yes. And within a week, they're going to sort of sleep in the cold and wear mm-hmm. rugs and whatever. Yeah. And then there's a big picture taken and all of a sudden these there's children graduation. have become, uh, graduation. And all of a sudden so, they uh, should know everything. Yeah. So yeah. is that uh, great work? I think this? This, is, this is part of it. This is just part of it. This comprehensive sexuality education should be age appropriate. Which means at different segments, at different ages, the information is changing and growing. As the young person grows, you're also in, improving and changing the kind of information you're sharing because the needs of the person are also changing. So you cannot, what you are talking to a 10-year-old about is not what you'll be talking to a 17-year-old about. Taken. Yeah. Okay, time for another quick break. Dada, you said that things have to be um, age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we go back into tell me mm-hmm. whether you've been in this since your college days. Yeah. Again, the path that has been taken mm-hmm. uh, is our educational system equipping our young people better than it did before 2010. Is that a trick question, John? No, no. I know. I just ask the simple questions that come to mind instantly. I've been listening to you. You are the religion which I've now espoused. I've been listening to you. Um, I think mm-hmm. we've, on this issue of comprehensive sexuality education, we make one step forward and two steps backward. So... Um, I'd say we've probably moved a few steps backward when it comes to to this issue in the school system. Explain. Um, we have more opposition now to having comprehensive sexuality education in schools than we did probably 10 years ago. Um, and I don't understand the, the rationale the reason why there's so much opposition because in the same time we are looking at teenage pregnancy rates and school dropouts related to teen pregnancy it's not going down it's going up which means whatever we are doing right now is not working as well as it should 
Okay, now is the moment to take the other clause in our constitution that says including reproductive <laughs> health care. Yes. Meaning sort of like, oh, it's been included. This is a major one. We're uh-huh. dealing with this. Yeah. Now, when I see uh, reproductive, uh, I see the whole issue of where do children come from? Are they brought by some kind of stalk um, and dumped at the fireplace overnight? Yes, are they bought? Uh, exactly. Uh-huh. So, uh, I, again, maybe we don't have the time, Dad, but there must be, we had some male voices in those um, uh, people, yeah. opinions. Mm-hmm. Does the girl child, the boy child, the man, the woman, mm-hmm. are we at the same stage of development? Hmm. Or are is reproductive health should we immediately think women and giving birth to children? I think that's usually the, the most common perception, that when you talk about reproductive health, you're talking about women and girls. But reproductive health isn't just about women and girls. It's about boys and men. And that's why we talk about people of reproductive age, not just women. And and, and if you look at our constitution or even the other documents, the other health policy documents, it clearly spells out. It says boys, girls, men. So it's about everyone. And by the way, John, that same constitution, the one that talks about the right to health, including reproductive health, also clearly says that one of those things is access to health-related education and information, including on sexual and reproductive health. It's clear. And it means that it, it clearly shows that at a country we are we are actually failing young people here. But I would say to you that, again, the, the understanding is that the Constitution is a guideline. Yes. It, it's a roadmap. Yes. And it is complemented always by legislation from and day policies. to day. And yes. policies. Yes. So would you like to name some epoch-making legislation that has happened in the last 10 years? There are several. One, within the health sector, Kenya has a very, very robust policy framework for all these things. You have a reproductive health policy in Kenya. Just got revised. There's a new one just launched last week. You have an adolescent sexual reproductive health policy. You have uh, 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 guidelines for service delivery to young people, youth-friendly services for young people. You have a whole framework, an investment framework that the government of Kenya has put together to implement these constitu- these articles, to realize these articles. It's called uh, the Reproductive Maternal Newborn Child and Adolescent Health Investment Framework for Kenya. Developed, costed, there's an implementation plan for it. All those things exist in this country. It's not that they're not there. Again, may I dare suggest that for all these, uh, the policies are wonderful, but yeah. there is also scope for within this uh, corruption. Uh-huh. Let me go back to my favorite village mm. from, from where I come, uh-huh. where um, somebody somewhere with the means says, let every single girl in the village have sanitary towels. Ooh. First of all, we say uh, sanitary towels. We don't know quite know about this. Uh, so the girls are wondering they miss school. Mm-hmm. But they were free, and next minute they're being sold. Yeah. So who is policing? Who is guarding the guardians? You know, John, there are some things that it's hard to, to police people. And this is why you you say, what do we do as a community right from the lowest level? A few years ago, uh, we came up with 
we said we'd zero rated in one of those budget readings that we'd zero rated taxes on on uh, menstrual products, including um, sanitary towels, but it didn't even come into effect. Now, we've also said this should be free for school-going children. It should be free, and it can be free. It's actually affordable. So what is stopping us? That's the question that I would also like to put to people, to the government and to the people of Kenya. What is stopping us from making those sanitary towels available to young girls who are in school and make them available for free to those who can't afford? Dad, uh, on the question of, of gender still, uh-huh. uh, something that exercises my mind is that if we've had boys and girls, men and women for millennia, mm-hmm. why should it be necessary for something like menstrual health mm-hmm. for there to be a campaign funded by a certain maybe NGO segment of society just to educate people on how to manage pe- something that is part of their being? It seems to be very strange that I, if, I, if I had a certain urge that somebody would have to tell me to go to the bathroom and, and clean myself every day. Yeah, but John, it's, it's, it goes beyond that. You know, how this was dealt with in that cultural um, that long time ago is yes. different. And we didn't have school then. People, Young people weren't going to school, weren't moving around. The thing is that this goes beyond just cleaning or showering or whatever. So we know that every time that young people have their periods during this menstrual cycle, that girls, some girls won't even go to school. And because of that, there's a loss. So I, I, know, I know enough about the, yeah. the subject to know that people experience their, their menses, their menstrual, in yeah. different ways. Yeah. It's a walk in the park or whatever, walk somewhere for some, and for the others it's very painful. Uh-huh. So we're asking those who are suffering because the government has said we're going to look after you. We're still going up to, I've got a problem here. Mm -hmm. Where do I go for it to be solved? Okay, let me let me again another another sort of analogy where you you know basically, uh, Dad, I'm giving this idea of you don't actually know what's wrong with you. Have you know you might have a sort of itch and you're scratching, mm-hmm. but you don't know quite which insect it was that bit that, you, that bit you <laughs> and uh, whether you should go to a dermatologist or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Do you want, have I put my concern yeah. succinctly? If we are going back to the issue of menstrual health, this yes. is how I look at it. There are those families or those parents that can afford, who can afford Hmm. menstrual products for their children. And then there are those families that are struggling to meet even the most basic of needs, that uh, sanitary pads then isn't a basic need. If you're fighting to put food on the table, you have a choice between do you buy wonga or do you buy sanitary pads for your kids. So that's how, that's, that's to me, why this is an important issue. If it didn't affect other aspects of, of a girl's life, we would not be having this debate. But when a young person misses school, it affects um, transition, it affects retention, it affects performance. And then the consequences further on even keep piling up. So this really may look like a small thing, but it's a big deal. I'm going to ask again about boys and men are we are we are we trying to suggest that if you're a man and mm. and, and you have all the physical accoutrements that mm. make you a man mm. that nothing can go wrong really in relation to girls what's what so we don't have to educate our boys in any respect no 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 we should john we against should. what 
what's going to happen to them? Now, menstruation, we've said. Uh, menstruation. For falling pregnant uh, normally is the preserve of women. But there are a lot of things that happen to young people, both boys and girls, as they grow up. You know, even boys who are growing up don't understand the changes that are happening in their bodies, the kind of decisions they make. There are issues around even sexually transmitted infections that affect both boys and girls, issues of HIV, even even issues of mental health, even just the choices that young people make, issues of drug and substance abuse for both girls and boys. But boys are usually more prone to, to, to suffer, to, to be... Um, May I draw you on to blame somebody? <laughs> We've got school. I'm trying not to. Oh, you're not going to. But yeah, but go uh, ahead, John. But you know, you know, you know how you know you know how you grow up and yeah. sort of at a certain age, people mm-hmm. sort of say, "Oh my gosh, I've turned out all wrong." Yes. And because of my mum and dad, yeah. they, they never gave me the love and the quick, they never gave me tender, loving care. Mm-hmm. They never hugged me before I went to bed. Mm. Okay. Okay. In terms of 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 health. Uh-huh. Uh, who who's who bears it? Is it mummy? Is it daddy? Are you suggesting that those who can now bring their play the role of grandma and auntie in those stories and take their kids and tell them what's what? I think, John, this is a collective responsibility. I want to cut parents some slack because one, we a lot of parents now also grew up without anybody telling them anything. They figured out things. They are now parents. They are expected to do the same with their kids and they don't know what to do. So let, let's cut parents some slack as well. But let's say this is a collective responsibility. But we have to be intentional about this. If we want to deal with the issues affecting young people, we have to be intentional and say, will we teach comprehensive, age-appropriate comprehensive sexuality education? Will, will, will the schools, will parents take, will the community take responsibility? Together, working with religious institutions, working with schools. So that is a, a decision. We have to intention, we have to be deliberate about this. Otherwise, we are going nowhere, John. Perhaps an unfair question, again, about aping other people's mm-hmm, ways. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go through life now that we've got here without using certain words that again are common currency elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, we have the idea of of, of, of sexual orientation mm-hmm. in the west uh, we lbgtq yeah. there yeah. those uh, we uh, we're having debates around abortion mm-hmm. where there's a pronoun maybe i should be referring to you as they or, she has. Or, or exactly mm-hmm. are we getting there slowly but uh, in a sort of backward primitive way to dare use such a word i'd say this john to this question um we are one big village there's no way we can escape we can even stop talking about this because Kenya but we is, don't talk about it, Dada. We don't. No, we talk about we it don't. quietly, John. Right. We don't, we, it's not Sorry. part of the public discourse. Sorry to interrupt. No, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. It's not part of, uh, you know, public discourse. You know, it's not like we don't talk about the way we talk about other things. But the thing is that it's here with us. We are part of a global community. Um, and our constitution is clear. We will not discriminate. Exactly. Based on sex. Right on race, on gender, 
and we on tribe. But, but, but we, we do that but, all the time. But we do that all the time. Yes. So, yeah. so you know, so this, this is an issue that generates so, a lot of emotions. Right. Yeah. Particularly here when people still fall back to culture and that sort of thing. Yeah. And Dada, you personally, where do you fit into the great debate? Hmm. John, really? The thing is this. <laughs> John, I work in public health. And to me, every human being has a right to be treated with dignity, irrespective of the choices or their sexual orientation. That's my personal view. Because what are you going to do? Ban people from accessing services because they've chosen to live a certain way? So where will we draw the line? Can I just ask one question on that? Yes. People who do have alternative um, attachments, lifestyles, lifestyles mm -hmm. Does this guarantee, are there places where you feel even now, mm -hmm. if I had a child who was gay, mm -hmm. you would say, go to such and such an institution, wherever it is, in Mombasa? Why, why would they go to an institution, John? Well, I'm asking. Because For what if, kind of services would they go to an institution? They've got a problem. They, they, they might need counseling. Maybe there's this whole idea of uh, they've got a problem. Okay. <laughs> what are they what are they meant to do I'll tell you this yes. one thing that I know from 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 working in this sector is that there are a lot of people in this country that are discriminated against they are key populations you have men who have sex with men you have people who inject drugs drug users um, and there's discrimination all around people still they still stigma around HIV how many years? How many decades? So that discrimination is always going to be there. Even ethnicity, tribalism yeah. is a kind of yes. discrimination. So as a country, we already discriminate against a lot of things. Right. We discriminate people based on their ethnicity, the language they speak, or on their gender. These days, we even dis discriminate based on the size. Are you fat? Are you thin? You know, there's all this body shaming. So there's a lot of discrimination already going around, John. And the world is already a very difficult place to live. So it would be it would be nice if people just didn't stop the discrimination. I think so too. And we'll have a break on that. Yeah. Capital FM. Dada. May I draw you on the, the words I mentioned, Roe versus Wade and mm -hmm. the A word, abortion? Mm -hmm. Where do we stand as a society? Um, um, John, the, this is always a very emotive and controversial issue. Uh, but in Kenya, there's a mistaken notion that abortion is banned. It's actually restricted. The It's there in the Constitution. But this is my personal opinion. I Sorry, define restricted. Please give some qualification. Uh, restricted means it is allowed if the woman's life is in danger. Yes. Yes. So um, my personal opinion as, as a woman and somebody who's worked in this sector for a long time is that we should strive to not get there to not get to the point where abortion is needed. And this is where we talk about access to information, access to, access to services, contraception, um, information, so people make the right decisions. So is that what you call um, 
preventive approaches to yeah to preventive approaches um, to everything not just that not sexual health not just sexual health but I think the the idea of prevention is is important and the in prevention when you look at how we spend our money right now uh, health money we put a lot of it into curative services so we always wait until we are sick and then it becomes expensive to treat so if we are able to actually also focus on prevention, uh, that saves us as individuals, as families, and even as a country, it would save us um, uh, money. Who are you? <laughs> what do you mean, John? Okay. Um, my name is Rosemary Muganda. Rosemary Muganda. Onyando. Yes, more please. Yes, Rosemary Muganda Onyando. I am. I work in health. I'm a social anthropologist. Um, I work in health. A passionate advocate for for the right to health. Um, and um, I've been doing this for maybe too long now. <laughs> You've been doing it for too long. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm I'm interested in in knowing. It's always interesting in, in what decides an individual on a certain path. So um, I'll tell you were you a young, your grandmother said to you, uh. and then off you went. <laughs> okay, I tell this story a lot. So yeah. people have asked me, even my own family members, why have you chosen to work in this sector? And particularly also to talk about... First of all, why did you decide to study what you did, social anthropology? Was ah. that is that don't go too far we don't have that much time but, no, but because but, but. okay simple when <laughs> i went to the university i wanted to study law yes. and i didn't get in right i didn't i missed the cutoff point right and so anthropology was new that year so we were the first anthropology class at the university of nairobi okay yeah there was just a handful of us and and at that time there were only four anthropologists in the country so when you qualified uh -huh. you decided no to anthropology and yes to health no, but anthropology is a study of society, of people, of communities. Right. So let's yes. segue into the health sector. So uh, I, I actually started working in this sector because growing up as a young woman, I, I got a lot of warnings from my mother. Stay away from boys. Don't talk to boys. Boys are bad. Nobody ever told me why boys are bad. <laughs> and then all around me, I saw my cousins, all these girls, you know, get pregnant, drop out of school, you know, all these things. And, and I, I like to stay in school. So, of course, I heeded my mother's advice because I knew if I didn't, she would probably kill me. Um, so I've always wanted to work in a sector where it can help, you know, uh, impart information, contribute to policies, you know, that would help. Uh, change the lives of, of young people. I know that is an overrated phrase, you know, change the lives, but I've always wanted to, to contribute to policy uh, in this sector, to be able to influence priorities, agendas that the government sets, both at national and sub-national level. So, yeah. okay, which is, the, which is the high priority now as we speak for you that you'd like to influence? Primary health care. Expand. You see, we are talking about universal health coverage as a country to ensure that all citizens are able to access care when they need it and that they can afford it. To do that, we have to have primary health care because this is the expressway from where I sit to achieving 
that universal health coverage for everyone. Again, would you be so kind as to explain to the non-cognoscenti <laughs> what primary? We had universal, and now, now there's primary. preventing. Primary pri just means primary. It's, it means it's going back right. to, to, to some of the basic things, to preventive health, to, to communities, making sure that we are educating communities, we are mobilizing people to use services. It means that our health facilities at the lowest possible level have systems that are strong enough to provide those services to citizens when they need it. It means that we are investing in ensuring that we have the personnel, not just the numbers, but also with the right skills to provide those services. So to achieve universal health coverage, we have to implement primary health care. This is the expressway. I know now expressway is a big word in this city. <laughs> but is this indeed. is the expressway to achieving universal health coverage. There's no shortcuts about this, John. Right. The expressway has taken over the takeaway. Exactly. Catchphrase. But I, I want to ask you, mm -hmm. when um, I walk into a room full of young people and they say, mm -hmm. ah, Guka John, Guka John, and mm -hmm. they're always expecting... Guka John to read them a story. That's what he's known for. And perhaps give them another book to read. Yeah. Because uh, no presents other than books from Guka John. Mm -hmm. Now, when Auntie or Shosho Rosemary, yeah, Shosho mm -hmm. walks into a room, mm -hmm. for people who, when you encounter young people on a daily basis and you get to know them, mm -hmm. do you take on this role of mentor, sage, advisor? And if so, what do you do? Do, you, do Apart from sitting in an office and sorting out the world, how mm. do you do it at the personal level, at the village level, at the, I don't know? I like young people. I like working with young people. They are complex and difficult to understand. I know a lot of people won't agree, but I like working with young people. I like talking to young people and mentoring young people. And uh, that's one of the, I wish there'd be more people doing that, you know, because, yeah. Okay, but yeah, I, I'd like, again, I, I'm, I'm drawing you on specifics. What do you do? I mean, who's going to stand up and say they hate young people? Oh, <laughs> I don't think many oh, people. Oh, oh. They won't, but they probably will think it. Uh, um, sorry, <laughs> let's not go there. Yes. Um, personally, um, the work that I do, I work in health, and my main focus is policy yes. and policy advocacy. And so I'm very invested in ensuring that whatever policies are being made, in are being developed in this sector, are also taking into account the needs of young people and that we are not just making the policy. So as an advocate, I'm passionate about pushing government, pushing other stakeholders to ensure that we are not just making policies, because we are known for making policies, but that we are also investing in the implementation of those policies to realize some of these things that we are talking about, what is in the Constitution, what are the needs of young people. So I'm passionate about that. And my entire professional life, almost all of it, is, is focused on this. Dare I ask you, mm -hmm. again, because you're not in government yourself, mm -hmm. do you feel in your day-to-day -day interactions with people in government, mm -hmm. with the Ministry of Health, mm -hmm. with the minister, with the CS, uh, I guess you have to phrase your answer carefully, mm -hmm. do you feel that everybody's on board 
to work for the better or is it just um, do you have enemies within government because the policies that you're suggesting go against the grain or they might cost so much money or they no john all that we've talked about here today these are all in government government documents this is government policy in this country kenya is very progressive that is the one thing that i like about this country we may not always do what we say we will do in the policies but our policies so are some wor- of words policies. like CEDO that I did in my research, the Maputo Protocol. Oh, we have signed. We are signatory to all those things, John. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that as a country we do, we respect international law. And we in, in respect those international instruments that govern this sector and other sectors in this country. So I'll tell you one thing about my encounter with people who work in government, particularly in health. Yes. I meet a lot of skilled and talented civil servants in that ministry. And I feel bad sometimes that healthcare workers do not have the tools and the support they need to do what they do. I'm going to give you one minute and two seconds Mm -hmm. to leave us with some unforgettable words of wisdom. Hmm. on the topic of health care to the individual hmm. to the individual what what is your message to me to um, yeah okay my message to the individual individual Kenyans is this there's only so much that the government can do and that as citizens we have to take responsibility also for our own health and our lives for example the issue of cost you're always complaining about cost you have NHIF. How many of us are registered? People will say, I, can own, I can't even afford food. How can I afford NHIF? Tukiweka hata shilingi ishirini to kila siku. Kila siku. Shilingi ngapi? Ishirini. At the end of the month, ukona shilingi ngapi? Miasita. NHIF every month is 500 shillings. The cost of going to hospital when you do not have insurance is prohibitive for any Kenyan, particularly for poor and vulnerable Kenyans. So let us also take responsibility. Government cannot do everything for you. Food for thought. We have to stop there. Do continue to give us feedback, dear listeners, hopefully positive and reassuring, on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. You've been listening to John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. Thank you. Until next time. <laughs>